This is Lon Winters with Graphic Elephants. This is Jimmy Lamp. This is Matt Masala with the RhinestoneWorld.com. And you're listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. And you are listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by... My name is Terry Combs RG. Regular Guy. And Aaron Montgomery. We're just regular guys having fun and uh, trying to, to make a living in this really cool and exciting industry. I think we all want to succeed 100% of the time seek to understand before I try and make myself understood. Bring a ton of great information. Coming to you live from somewhere dark, dirty, and dank. All right. Well, welcome into the show. It is Friday, September 16th, 2022. I'm Terry Combs, and you can find me at terrycombs.com. And I'm Aaron Montgomery, and you can find me at OurSuccessGroup.com. Today, uh, as you can tell, I'm not in my usual studio here. I'm at the Graphics Pro Expo here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, coming off the high of uh, emceeing Start Here Academy last night, it was uh, was fantastic. Um, I can share a little bit about it in just a second here, but uh, we're going to do a host show. We've got Eric in the wings in case hotel internet doesn't uh, play nicely with me, but <laughs> so far so good. So we're keeping our uh, fingers crossed, but we're going to talk about some of these pitfalls to avoid um, as a startup. Right. And um, so w- with that being said, again, Eric, please stay on standby. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wander away. Yeah, that's You never right. do. <laughs> yep. 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 So um, Terry, why don't I start with some news items that I can, uh, kind of fill you guys in on the the start here academy too if that's yeah yeah good. absolutely I, love you, to hear that yeah why don't would you mind actually sharing the the news item and then i can just yeah. talk about charlotte sure perfect sure uh uh corel uh corel draw a global company a technology company maker of corel draw graphic suite has announced that it is undergoing a full rebrand including a new name aludo I believe that's the way it's pronounced. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> so there it is. Yeah. So according to the company, the rebranding is part of its commitment to reimagine the future of work, not just where people work, but also how, when, and even why they work. The new uh, name Aludo is uh, said to represent a cohesive identity and a nod to the company's purpose to empower all you do with the Purpose in mind, with this purpose in mind, Aludo says it will continue to focus on growth organically and through mergers and acquisitions. So yet another, we could have a weekly announcement about uh, name changes, mergers, acquisitions. (laughs) Seems to be uh, fast and furious right now. And uh, Eric uh, in the comments there said uh, the pronunciation has been a contentious, that has been contentious in the design world already because of the all you do. So all you do, all you do. I didn't even get that. (laughs) I I read it and I didn't even get it. (laughs) So interesting. Yeah. And I've seen uh, Clay and David from uh, CorelTrainer.com and I have not had a chance to talk to them about it yet. So I will, uh, maybe I'll corner them. I've got, I'm all set up. I'm going to actually record some uh, stuff in the booth over there at uh, Graphics Pro today and tomorrow. And uh, so I'll just corner them. I'll sit them down in the blow up couch and I'll say, Hey, what do you think about this name change? Are you going to have to go buy um, <laughs> a Ludo or whatever it is? All you do. Trainer.com, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know how those guys hate to talk. Oh, wait. No. no <laughs> yeah. They, they had, uh, he was, they were part of the Start Here Academy last night and uh, all of the, the sponsors got 10 minutes each to share. And uh, I had to go up on stage and uh, and remove David. So. 
uh, it was not physical. It was, you know, it was all good. It was fun. Um, so I actually so saw him post that, a picture. I didn't realize that's where he was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, well, let me, uh, let me share with you, uh, about kind of the start here Academy, if that's, uh, okay. Is it a good time yeah. to do that? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. Well, um, so start here Academy here at graphics pro expo. Um, it's something that actually, uh, rugs who we've talked to had on the show before, um, he has been working on this as a concept for over three years. We had this little thing called uh, COVID that uh, kind of waylaid it a little bit, but um, so finally able to pull it off. And um, the idea was it, to have a space, have a event where people that are you know starting up, uh, where people that are kind of coming from that maker space, hobby space, um, I've heard it term prosumer space. Uh, Eric has, has uh, and so I'm not, I don't want to steal that from Eric, <laughs> but Eric talks about and, that. And Eric, is that the way it's pronounced? <laughs> <laughs> Getting some laughs in that guy. Love it. Um, so, you know, that kind of space, but it also, there was also people there that, you know, had been in business for a little while. Right. And, and the thing that I presented about was that startup mentality, which we're going to talk a little bit more about today. Um, so it, it was really cool. And um, they had 500 people register. And because there was, everybody got food and drinks and stuff too. So they had to know like who was all going to actually be there. Um, you know, these events that are cost nothing to the attendees, you know, you normally get big signups and then smaller actual showing up. Right. So they actually did a, a calling campaign before and uh, had about 85% RSVP response rate. So they set up the room for uh, 380 people. And um, there was only a couple of seats. The, the the very first picture I took was before we even got started. And then I didn't have time to take any more pictures. So the one that you maybe saw from David on, on my Facebook page, um, that one it was a little more representative. But it, I didn't get an exact head count, but I would say north of 350 people in there. That's incredible. That's that's an awesome turnout. Yeah. And then, you know, great, great sponsorships, great support from all of the, the companies that were there and uh, there to support it. And then, um, so the idea was have that space, have these conversations where, you know, where the, the sponsors got an opportunity to share. But when the sponsors were sharing, it was really cool because they all shared like, you know, how it wasn't like, here's my product, you should come buy it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and te technically they could have done that. But I think um, they all showed up in, in, in a huge way and, and gave really good information as like, here's some things that you should be thinking of as you're getting started, or here's, you know, kind of the space that we're experts in. Um, so that was, you know, a big part of it. And then the other real, real big part of it was there were three um, uh, influencers. I don't know why the name just escaped me there, but uh, three influencers, which we were able to get two of them on the show. We had Lisa Potts and Stan Banks on the show with us. And uh, we, we efforted several times with Eve, but uh, I got to meet Eve finally amazing lady so and, and gave an incredible she was there for the whole event yep <laughs> she wasn't she's gonna actually be around at the show um i'm gonna talk to her so i will actually get to talk to her for two regular guys tomorrow we'll just record some content that we can play play at a later time Perfect. um and so anyways the point uh, being it was so cool to listen to them share right and really just sharing their journey so one of the things that i talked about as you know kind of we were transitioning between people was to really look at this as like 
emulation, right? Inspiration. This is what I want you guys to take from this. And, and so it was really cool to um, have that experience. And um, nobody booed me off stage. I, I did have a dad joke. Um, it was a cartoon, <laughs> actually. It wasn't a dad joke. I, I said, okay, I'm going to spare you guys the dad jokes. Any of you that listen to two regular guys know that we do the dad joke. So <laughs> tune in tomorrow morning for that, which coming soon, everybody. Don't worry. <laughs> but I had a cartoon and it was uh, uh, avocado affirmations. And it was a picture of an avocado s- sitting in front of a mirror saying, you're fat, but you're a good fat. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so anyways, um, so yeah, I guess the, just, just to give people a quick update, that was kind of what it was all about. Like I said, they fed us. Food was fantastic. Drinks, um, lots of great networking pictures and hugs and people that had known each other on the internet that, uh, you know, got a chance to meet in person. And, um, here's, here's another interesting thing I'll share to kind of close that part of this part of it, Terry, um, you know, throughout kind of ask questions when we were in transition to kind of find out more about the audience. And one of the questions that I asked was how many people, this is the first time that you've ever been to a graphics pro expo show. And 85% at least raised their hand. Wow. And I said, okay, how many of you have never been to any industry show? 75%. I mean, we, we only, wow. only a couple hands came down from that. So these are all new people that had never been to a trade show before. And, and you've mentioned that, Terry, right? Lots of people have gotten to this business and they didn't even have a chance to. So you're right. definitely seeing that. Um, for a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know some of you guys that have been in the business for a little while, like, oh, great, more competition, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I mean, I, it's, it was so cool. People, they seem to want to be doing it right. You know, they're learning from getting and building a good foundation. Um, I, I, I truly believe that the rising tide is going to lift the boats and, and this influx of people because it's just an awareness, right? A lot of them are creating content. So there's more awareness around all the cool things we can do. And, and, and so you know, they're doing some social media for you <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. And there's plenty of business to go around. And, you know, most of the people I know that get into this business are very niche anyway. And, yeah. and you know, because people say, so does anybody in, in Fresno have a, a direct-to-garment machine? I'm like, lots of people do, but you'll never know about it because they, they're in the car market or they're in the, in the youth apparel market or they're in this market or that market. So, you know, and it's that fear of competition, but you're right, yeah. Aaron, there's plenty to go around. So totally. deliver on time, <laughs> do, do good, good work. work. I've heard that from somebody before. I know. Pretty smart guy too. It's going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> that or a dad joke. Here lies maybe, Terry Combs. Maybe this dad joke. <laughs> it's a t-shirt well, joke. <laughs> yes. All right. So it'll be here lies Terry Combs. Always said, do good work, deliver on time. And by the way, Dad joke. Okay. This is, this is some funny. Let's see how, let's see how it holds this up to the test of time. That's what it'll say in my tomb. So <laughs> are you ready? All right. Let's do it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. You, you prepped for it. We're ready. Yeah. Aaron, did you know that the word t-shirt is actually short for Tyrannosaurus shirt? I did not know that. Yeah. It's because of the short arms. <laughs> 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 Hey, and it got the seal of approval from Eric. He's nodding his head. Yes. That's a, wow. I'm the one shaking my head on this one. That's uh that's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I was torn between calling the Tyrannosaurus shirt or the T-Rex shirt. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I think Tyrannosaurus, I think getting it all the way out, I think really 
really makes it deliver a little bit better. <laughs> well, everybody out there shaking your head, you're going to be telling that to somebody because you're already in the industry and we don't get very many t-shirt dad jokes. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So there's your t-shirt dad joke, Terry. Good job. Um, thank you. All for right. That. We all well, needed it. Yep. Aaron, before we go any further, we want to thank everybody uh, for checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast. We are always looking for new guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to join us, go to calendly.com slash two, the number two regular guys with your show ideas. If you are listening to the podcast version of the show, we would appreciate you sharing the two regular guys podcast with all your industry friends so they can become regulators too. And of course we would appreciate you giving us a review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon podcast, wherever you do your podcast listening, we are everywhere. Thanks to Aaron. And then if you're watching us live right now, Please join in with your comments and questions and and your thoughts on pitfalls for startup businesses. Yes, yes, please do that. Please join us. Uh, regulators showing up today is going to be really important. Um, so, Terry, before we dive into this, let, let's actually, if you don't mind, let's go back and, uh, <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I said let's go back and talk to some of the regulators, but uh, we've got follow-up dad jokes. I don't know if we want to do that and... Um, <laughs> what, let's hear what they have to say yes yes so, yeah, todd says that joke sort of fit like a gildan um so wow <laughs> I, i'm sure he meant perfectly <laughs> yeah yeah uh -huh. um, and then mr orgolani says uh tuned in just in time for the t-rex dad joke good good to make it james um, is definitely one of the people that's going to be repeating that joke <laughs> yeah i agree i agree um kim johnson didn't have anything really to say more of just a kind of what i did just a little uh, head slap so uh, i believe when i read it to her yesterday she said something along the lines of that's stupid <laughs> <laughs> i I cannot see Kim. Oh, no, I totally can see Kim saying that. <laughs> and then D Dean uh, said, deliver on time. Are you talking about the uh, warehouses? Uh, Ouch. Supply warehouses. Well, everybody's, uh, everybody's throwing some darts today. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right. So uh, we've got some other folks much earlier checking in that I just want to say hi to real quick. Um, we've got Yosta tuning in from Sweden. Uh, we've got Rich checking in. Hello. We've got Charles. Um, good morning, Charles. Charles, good to see you, man. Uh, hopefully you're doing well. Um, I, I sent you an email and it bounced back. So um, <laughs> glad to see you. I was like, oh, no, did I? I must have had it wrong. So anyhow, I uh, hope you're no, doing you're well. Blocked. You're blocked. Um, and then my, my buddy, <laughs> Doug Quinn. Terry, you remember our time with Doug Quinn? In yeah. City? Uh, hey, Doug. yeah. <laughs> He's recommending the Velvet Taco. So here I'm here in Charlotte. And apparently that's the place to uh, go get some tacos. So I'm going to try to get there tonight. We'll see how that goes. All right. Um, we've got Sandy checking in this morning. Hello, Sandy. We've got Barb from North Central Minnesota. Good morning. And um, let's see here. What do we got? Yep. Yep. Cindy was in and out. Uh, Mr. David Gross checking in with us. Good morning, David. Let's see. All right. So I think we, I think we've covered most of it here. Let's um, <laughs> happy Friday, Kristen. Thank you. Um, that's the point. <laughs> Good one, Eric. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm all over the place, Terry, as you can well, tell. So, uh, hey, hey Aaron, you, you were busy working last night. So I just wanted to, uh, remind you just in case you didn't know, how about them chiefs? First, first <laughs> game on, uh, on, uh, on prime, uh, Amazon yep. prime uh, TV and, uh, 
and came out with a win. 2-0, yeah. number one I, in the AFC West. <laughs> I did see that. Um, I didn't watch the game, no. I was I was definitely done. It, it was such a cool event last night, but uh, being on for five hours, even a crazy guy like me has a hard time with that. So <laughs> we got Terry with his Chiefs hat. So, yeah, so I did see the uh, everybody talking about it this morning. I got up and turned on the ESPN there this morning, so. I'll just say a W is a W. That's that's my, right. That's my my response to all those people's comments. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Uh, all right. Well, Terry, are we ready to dive into this? Let's do. Okay. All right. Well, and I'm gonna. Terry did a great job, kind of putting this together. I've been so crazy, kind of being on the road here that um, I relied very heavily on on Terry here. So thank you, Terry, first and foremost. And because I know this is my thing, right? <laughs> this is what our success group <laughs> exactly. does. Um, and and so uh, before we get my, into my notes, were really just in case me and uh, Eric had to do this show without <laughs> you. <laughs> no, I totally get it. I totally get it. And it's perfect. You actually hit all the nails on the head. Um, but real, real quick before, let me, I'm going to back up just one step before we get into this because what we're talking about today is the pitfalls. Of, of a startup, right? And what some things that we can avoid. And we 100% want to get into the actual nuts and bolts and some some concrete things that we got to watch for. And and even established businesses need to kind of go back and, and you know, I look at business building as, as a cycle, right? So we want to go from that startup into, okay, trying things out into experience, kind of reaping the benefits. Now let's get back that startup mentality change some things, try some things out, experience, reap the benefits. So if you can kind of see how that cycle goes. And so let me back up real quick. One of the things, or I guess I actually shared three things last night that I felt were um, really important for the startup mentality. And and again, this, this is for everybody because if you're a brand new business or if you've been in business for 20, 30, 40 years, right, we need to kind of always come back to this cycle of, what what can we do new? How can we improve, right? And how can we grow? So um, the three things that I shared, and I'm going to have to try to remember them off the top of my head here. <laughs> no, I think I've got it, right? Um, first, first and foremost is we have to conquer fear, right? We have to um, get over those fear. Everything we want is right outside of our comfort zone. So, so the fear of the thing you need to do, the fear of getting online, the fear of um, making the call to the the customer, the fear of um, returning the call to the upset customer, that you know, all of those things are fears that we know we need to do, but we've got fear holding us back. So we just got to come up with a, a way to um, kind of overcome that. Uh, the, the second part here is to be a goal getter, not a goal setter. Right? Goal getters believe that it's possible, right? We, um, the, the saying kind of goes, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Right. Um, but the reality is, is you will only see it after you believe it, you have to believe it's possible. So I could say, you know, I'm going to be a million dollar business this year, but if you can't, you know, somewhere deep down inside of you believe that that's actually possible, see the steps, right? So the way that we do that is we set a goal. We want to reach high. We want to go for something big and that's outside of our comfort zone. But then we set milestones that allow us to have that belief. Okay. So let's say, like I said, it was, a, I wanted to be a million dollar business. 
right? I, I want to be a hundred thousand dollar business, whatever it is for you, but let's just say a million dollar business. Okay, cool. I, I, I believe I can do that, but I'm not, I don't have that deep down in my core, but you know what? I believe that I can go get 10 new customers in the next three months, right? So I set that milestone. And once I've set that milestone, I can fully hundred percent believe that I can do that. You know, I've done it before or, you know, it just, it seems feasible. And then I get to that stage and now I kind of reevaluate, right? And till, till you get to that stage where your actual ultimate goal is hundred percent believable by you. So, so that's, that's number two is that being a goal getter, not just a goal setter. And then um, <laughs> the last bit here is to take action. Uh, and this is always the missing piece. Um, I don't know. I'm sure I've told this story. So Kim Johnson, you can, <laughs> but, um, you know, when I got into the success principle stuff, what start, what started me there was watching this movie called the secret. So if you haven't seen it, it's worth checking out. It's kind of interesting. Um, you know, they're, what they did was they tried to make a best-selling movie, right? And so if you watch the movie, the secret, it's fantastic. But I think a lot of people watch and they go, oh, well, then all I have to do is just have really positive mental capacity and the law of attraction is going to go to work for me and I'm going to get everything I want. I'm just going to sit around on my couch and think positively and it'll be great. And, you know, that's a good start. <laughs> but the reality is that the part that's missing from that movie is that you have to take action, right? It, it's kind of talked about a little bit in there, but they kind of gloss over that part, you know? <laughs> um, so it's all about kind of taking the action and, and just continuously moving forward each and every day, taking one step forward, not, not just, you know, okay, uh, I'm going to try. So like the more actions that you can take, it has nothing to do with if, if they're the exact right action or not, as long as you're kind of moving in a general direction forward, because here's what happens. Once you take the action, you get a result. Once you get that result, that result gives you feedback. You get feedback from that result. Once you get feedback, then you can make a better decision the next time. Therefore, if you go tie that back to the action at the beginning, right, that action at the beginning is the only way that you're going to grow because you need feedback to be able to learn. We can, we can go take in, you know, go watch all 468 Two Regular Guys podcast episodes. But if you don't do anything with any of the information that you hear throughout the course of that time, it, it's not worth anything. So those are the three things, Terry, that the be a goal getter, um, conquering fear, and then um, the last part there, taking action. So awesome. That yeah. get us the right mindset, at least. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because okay. you're right. But you're right. I, there, There's uh, everybody has a business idea in the back of their head. You know, everybody's thinking about doing something like that. Yeah. It's just you—you you, got to take that first step and and do it. And yeah. once you become an entrepreneur, you—it's—it's it's hard not to be an entrepreneur in some way after that. So correct. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is that first step, and I know it can be scary, right? And and it—it's it, not for the faint of heart, right? It, um, you know, especially in our industry, the um, the the electricity the. the how many people go out of business is pretty, pretty high, right? I mean, you've got some of these supply companies that are getting tons and tons of new customers a day, but what the dirty little secret that I don't tell you is that their active customer base doesn't really fluctuate a whole lot, right? So if you're getting a whole bunch of new customers a day as a, as a supplier of some of these, you know, equipment and, and supplies for these startup companies, 
um, and you're getting all those new customers, but your active customer base is not growing that much. What does that mean, right? It means that they're also losing that many customers a day. And I don't believe that it's because their service is bad or anything like that. It, it's the reality is, is, um, you know, Terry, you've, you've had the same experience. I'm, I'm 100% sure, right? You've talked to somebody at a show. Maybe you've sold a piece of equipment. They come back the next year and they haven't even used it yet, right? And then, oh, yeah. then the next year they come back and, yeah, still trying to get it going. And then the next year they don't come back. Right. Because right. they're probably done. They're probably <laughs> moved on or, or whatever. And that's OK. But but how do we you know, what what can we do to help people kind of bridge that gap between excitement, that passion of being that newbie, you know, that startup um, into reality slapping you in the face and, and overcoming that that <laughs> that hill that you have to climb. So, yeah. And, and, and also. You know, I want to do this. I don't know where to start. I don't know. Yeah. What, what do I do first? Yeah, exactly. So from that, right, um, <laughs> let's get into some of those eye-opening things, right? So um, let's let's talk about some of the, the common pitfalls. And, and again, you've put together a fantastic list here. So um, let, well, let's start right with number yeah. one there, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, yeah. The legal yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, please. Yeah, so, and, and let me let me give you an example. Um, I'll have somebody who's trying to get a lease for, you know, twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, and uh, and they say, well, you know, I've been I've been in this business for seven years, but when the lease company talks to them, they say, well, no, I've never actually registered with with my state. Well, the lease yeah. company is like, well, so you're a brand new business. Well, no, no, yeah. I've been in business for seven years, but you didn't take the steps that you need to, to take. So IRS.gov is where you get your EIN number, your uh, employee identification number. Yeah. Uh, a lot of you, and, and it's free, by the way, just go there, IRS.gov, if you don't have that. And, and there are suppliers out there, they're going to ask you for that number. If you, uh-huh. if you start paying employees, you need that number and it's easy to do. In your state, uh, you need to register as a business in your state. And and um, uh, keep in mind, keep this in mind, your state wants you to be successful. Why? Because you're going to be collecting sales tax. You're going to be paying tax to that state. They want to make it easy for you. So, you know, just go in and Google uh, starting a business in Arizona or Idaho or wherever you are and um and you can get all the information about registering uh, your business. And then the last is your local community. Some local communities don't care. They don't require you to have a business license. Um, When I lived in Fountain Hills, Arizona, I had to pay $35 a year because of my writing business. I had to register my business that I was writing for all the magazines and stuff like that. Um, But you know, it, it was just simply a matter of, uh, of uh, reaching out to them. They sent me a form, uh, gave me the instructions. Don't park a company vehicle that's uh, in, in front of your house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was a one page thing about uh, keeping, making, making Fountain Hills aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's pretty easy, you know, and so, so you're federal, you're, uh, you're state, and then in a lot of localities. And by the way, if if you uh, your local community, if if they want you to register your business, 
uh, they're going to ask you what kind of business you're in. And most of us are in light manufacturing. That's what screen printing is. That's what embroidery is. That's what, uh, you know, most decorating businesses would be considered light manufacturing. So when yeah. you're scratching your head on what do I put on this line? That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, really good point. Yeah, because, we're, you know, anybody that's taking a, a blank product and and decorating it, you know, putting something on it or, you know, embellishing it in whatever way, um, you're exactly right. Light manufacturing yeah. is the. So let me also talk about that, right, Terry, because um, in in what we do with our success group, I do get this question all the time. When when should I, right? When should I, you know, go start my business? When should I get that EIN? When should I go register with my state and my answer to them all the time. And um, I always preface it obviously with, you know, talk to your accountant about the details of it because each location is going to be a little bit different. Um, but the reality is the first time you plan to take money from somebody for a product, you should have that business stuff in place. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's just, so if, if you really have a business and, and again, I'm not talking down to anybody that doesn't have this in place. Right. I mean, I sadly enough, um, my being the son of an accountant, a CPA, you guys have all heard that plenty of times. <laughs> I, you know, I was working for different companies and stuff like that. But like Terry, right, I'm doing writing and stuff like that. So I've technically had Montco Consulting since, I don't know, I think it was 2009 when I actually first put put it out there, put it on my LinkedIn page. Right. But like Terry talked about, right? I, I didn't do the the stuff that I needed to go get all that stuff, and and so when it was time to get a lease, right? That I'm like, well, I've been in business since 2009, and they're like, nope, exactly what to, I'm like, yep, you're right, sorry, yep. And, <laughs> According know, I, to the state of Arizona, yeah, that is yeah. not true. Now, for, <laughs> fortunately for me, um, I was though with my tax returns filing a Schedule C for that, and so I was able to. But yeah. it would have been a lot easier if I just would have done done what I needed to do. So yes, go go is this if you have not done that yet and you plan to sell anything to anybody, friend, family, whatever. Um, it, like Terry said, the federal side it's completely free. Most states it's not really um, that ex costly because again, like Terry mentioned, they're uh, they want to try to make it as easy as possible for you because they know they'll get the tax revenue from it. And and then you're going to be actually be able to buy products cheaper because you will have that resale sales tax license, whatever your state calls it. Um, and and then again, you'll also be able to purchase things from companies that you're going to decorate and not pay the sales tax on it. Uh, exactly. You can give them a, a form and most states have a form that you can fill out and uh, give them that form. And then they should not charge you the sales tax because you're going to be collecting the sales tax from the end user. So right. um, really good, really good point. Now, uh, let's make sure that we're clear for legal reasons. <laughs> Neither Terry and or I are <laughs> accountants or lawyers or CPAs or any of that stuff. We, like I said, my father was a CPA, is no longer practicing CPA. So that's as close as we're going to get. But we've both been involved in around businesses long enough that we can share some things ultimately for you when it comes like, oh, should I do an LLC or blah, blah, blah. You really got to talk to somebody that that is an expert in your local area. And and then they can look at your situation, right? Your situation is going to yeah. be different. Um, I, I originally went out and set up as just a standard LLC and... Um, 
should have talked to my accountant first because a couple of years later we were looking at things and, and honestly, it, I did not set up the exact right uh, scenario for me. I had to, uh, it fortunately was easy enough, but we changed to an LLC that was an S corporation. So just based on my wife and I, so there we go. We could, we could go way into the weeds on that, but I think uh, we'll that pretty good. <laughs> what's the next one, Terry? Yeah. Well, uh, filling in the gaps. And, and my point here was you might be a great artist, but you might not be great at selling or, or, you, you know, you might, you, you, you might be an accountant, but you know, you might not be great at creating that graphic to put onto a, onto a garment. So you need to find ways to fill in those gaps. And, yeah. and, and, you know, obviously one of those ways is by hiring people that are good at those things, yeah. but, but you don't have to put them on the payroll either. You can contract a lot of this kind of thing, especially accounting services and things yeah. like that. You can, uh, you can, you can uh, find folks who are out there selling products and and take on your line to sell. Uh, yeah. When I was in Kansas City, I think we had 17 sales reps. Uh, none of them worked for Jones and Mitchell Sportswear, where I was. They were all independent sales reps. They carried lines of clothing. Uh, in that particular case, it was to, in the college bookstore market. So so these uh, sales reps would go into a bookstore, and they had the Jones and Mitchell Sportswear line. They they also had a line of of of, uh, of other products, you know, jackets, hats. Uh, um, you know, uh, license plate frames, things like that. So, so th there are opportunities that are out there, and especially today. And and uh, Kim uh, earmuffs. I've told this story before. Uh, <laughs> my my when my daughter had her screen printing business, uh, she had an artist that she never met face to face. She yeah. uh, got got reached out to him through a supplier because she asked her supplier, "Hey, do you know any artists?" and uh, they just communicated back and forth via email and, and phone, and uh, he would create the art. She'd say, okay, make this change, make that change. He'd send it back to her again. Uh, she had output the separations, and uh, and uh, life was good. So uh, e even though she was a very artistic person, she was also a college student at the time, so it was just easier to have that contract person. And she just paid a flat fee per finished piece of artwork. So so he had his business uh, selling artwork and, uh, and yep. she was just his customer. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you know, in today's day and age, you know, you can, you can fill in those gaps pretty easily, pretty quickly. And, and in, in the grand scheme of things, fairly inexpensively too. Right. I mean, right. I've got a virtual assistant that helps me out, um, kind of just cleaning up the loose ends and stuff. And it, it's, it's fantastic. And, and, I've, you know, she lives in Nigeria, so I've never met her, but she's a, an amazing person um, and, uh, you know, is there to help. And and she's always been very grateful. And, um, you know, I certainly wish that I could pay her more, but someday we'll get there. Right. And so, <laughs> uh, but in, in the meantime, she's been fantastic and, and it works for her too. Right. So it, it kind of works out. Um, let, let's, let's hit a couple of the regulators comments here. Uh, Miller had uh, mentioned a little bit earlier there. He says, I don't own a shop. I'm a broker who has a team of other brokers and graphic designers with me. I do a lot of high-end cut and sew work with global factories and have local screen print shops that do my screen printing, right? So that's exactly, you can have a great business right there and not actually having to do the work uh, in, in the physical nature of it, right? And so filling in the gaps, that's awesome, Miller. And then um, 
Uh, Ramona said a little bit earlier, says what's great about the information is it's relevant to all businesses, not just the garment decorating community. Yeah, totally true. Um, and uh, you know, so let's answer your question real quick. Do you have to have one in every state uh, like rock band gigs? Uh, no, you don't. You have to have uh, you're supposed to have sales tax use tax uh, in any place where you have a physical presence. There's been lots and lots of talk and lots of lots of, um, you know, this internet tax, I guess, is what they kind of call it around here, where they, you know, trying to collect sales tax uh, if you're selling on the internet, but it has not gone through here in the in the states. So right now, it's still if you, wherever you have a physical presence. So if you have, you know, if you're working from your home or if you have multiple locations and that kind of thing. So. Um, Looks like it's almost time to have an accountant on uh, on the show <laughs> to talk about these things. Probably not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> there you go. Let's uh, yeah, make note of that. Um, <laughs> I don't have my notebook in front of me, so somebody will remind me. We'll do that. <laughs> I have a, I, I wait. I do have my junior oh, yellow look, legal is there pad. a junior yellow legal pad around anyone? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Ramona also said I have three independent contractors on my books that help in shop when things get too busy. And my bookkeeper, they all get 1099s every year. Yep, yep exactly. Not, not on payroll. And, and you just send them a 1099 and then they're responsible for their own taxes and, and whatnot. So uh, let's see. What's Miller sharing here? Miller says, uh, I find big bottlenecks, uh, middle manning through print shops. And one of my print shops won't hook into our system and API. So it's hard communicating. Any thoughts on making things smoother? Um, okay. Let's let me let me think on that one for a bit here. Anything that came to the top of your mind there? It's like, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, Terry, is, uh, well, is there somebody else out there that could do it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's kind of the pop. What popped into my head too is that if uh, if they, you know, companies have to have to kind of progress with with the way things business is being done, and and if they're old school yeah. <laughs> don't want to do that um there's probably somebody who does there's there's sure a lot of contract uh, uh decorators out there that are looking for looking for work so yeah and and it's it's a looking for work and and willing to um you know get the technology up to speed right again you know there yeah there are like you said some older school people that you know I've got my paper forms that I write my orders in and, and the three ring binders and all that stuff and nothing wrong with that. But if you're, you know, again, trying to make the systems work and hooking in through systems and APIs. Um, and working with other companies, like, you know, it, rather yeah. than selling directly to the, the end, end user, the consumer. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I know, I mean, I've been in that space, right? That part is a big part of it. How do you, how do you manage the orders and get everything to the right places at the right time and and they're the technology and the software is out there um a great software uh tool i don't know if it's software necessarily whatever however you would call it but a tool that i've always been really fond of is a thing called order desk order desk.me it's kind of a nice middle middle tool that brings a lot of things together and can kind of send from one place to another and kind of be the be that uh traffic light so to speak i guess um, but yeah, I, I would say Miller, my number one recommendation would see, you know, if they're not willing to do that, then maybe it's time to, you know, maybe they broke the chain. Maybe it's time to look for something, somebody else. Um, I know my wife does a lot of print on demand 
type stuff for some companies. And one of the big things that uh, has been um, useful for them is that we make it really easy, right? Uh, we do hook into their systems and, and, you know, we're just getting orders directly from their systems and taking care of everything and working in the background for them. So, you know, it's, it's pretty. And, and, and that is true on so many levels when you're running a business, make it easy to buy, make it easy for the, to have a relationship that, uh, that, uh, the, the easier you can make it, the, the more locked in that customer is with you or yeah. that vendor is with you. Nice. Yep. Totally agree. Totally, totally agree, Terry. All right. Well, let, a couple more comments and then we'll keep going here. Um, I, I like Mark's comment here because it's funny at the end. Uh, it says, always best to get all government registrations done early. Asking forgiveness rarely works with government agencies or spouses. <laughs> so <laughs> true point. And then Dean, uh, I... I Terry's yellow legal pads are kind of his signature thing now. I don't think I could change that. I don't even think he knows what a rocket book is. So, Terry, I think I do, but oh. yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I like. I'm a I'm a writer. I like the texture of pen yeah, and know. paper. Know you know. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, uh, I've got I've got two computers on my desk. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Look at you go. <laughs> but. All right, uh, Mr. Picker here. Jeremy Picker says I focus on design. Dev and customer service, and partner with manufacturers and let them shine at their skills. I know a lot of shops crap on contract brokers, but most shops don't have that capacity. Yeah, I, I think focusing on what you're good at. This 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 point that you bring up, Terry. For a lot of newbies, they want to do everything themselves. Knock yeah. it off. <laughs> yeah, really. Focus on what you're good at. Stay really good at that, and then find other people to fill in those gaps will be the fastest way to success. The other way will be the fastest way to um, having hairlines like myself and Terry and <laughs> pulling your hair out, right? So, <laughs> all right. Um, there you go. Uh, Eric, thanks for sharing the link there, orderdesk.com. I thought it was orderdesk.me, but check that out. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I should have said that. All right, well, what's the next one, Terry? Well, uh, pricing your products and 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 uh, I guess maybe the next one uh, also included know your overhead. How much does it really cost you to make an item and keep the lights on? So, Aaron, I'm going to toss that back to you because I know you do a lot of uh, a <laughs> lot of consulting on proper pricing yeah, of your yeah. products. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Eric, for double G. I Dumb on me. I should have known you double checked it. My fault. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Terry, thank you for that. Um, I think it's interesting because you you hit it right on the head. I, I, I looked at that. I'm like, yeah, let's kind of go together because the yeah. everybody thinks pricing is, you know, oh, there's some magic formula, right? Which please do not do that. If somebody tells you, if you go first and foremost, don't go ask other people how you should price your product. Because how Terry prices his product and how I price my product and how Eric prices his product, we could all be selling the exact same thing and have completely different pricing and completely different pricing needs, right? And, and yet we'd all still be, have plenty to make money and do that. And um, so you, you've, got, you've got to understand that first. So if you're out there kind of going, oh, um, what do you price your product for or you know, at? And then somebody comes back and says, well, you just 3X your cost. Please don't, please, please don't. <laughs> I, I just want to eradicate that. Or, well, I um, think I read that on the internet, Aaron. So it's, yeah, be yeah, true. It's, it's, uh, 
everything <laughs> on the internet's true if you want to fail in business. And um, <laughs> or uh, I think Eric's probably heard this one a, a bazillion times: dollar per thousand stitch. If you're an embroiderer, <laughs> with that crud. I had somebody that was doing 25 cents per thousand stitch and couldn't figure out why they were so busy, but yet couldn't get ahead, weren't making any money. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow, um, so yeah, the, the, when it comes to pricing, one of the most important things, and, and this is where in a lot of ways, why we started our success group, because we saw this as a, a big failure point. And what happens for people is they're creatives, right? People in our industry are creatives. They enjoy the process, right? Maybe they are coming from that crafting kind of hobby kind of side of things. And, and, and they just love making. They love their community, that all that stuff. So a uh, spreadsheet and numbers and ugh, that gets them <laughs> making, making them feel bad. But the reality is we have to know how much it costs us to run our business before you can price anything. You know, I've been fortunate enough for the 20 some odd years that I've been in this industry to be involved in pricing of products, not only for the companies that I worked for, but helping other people with their pricing. And, you know, everybody's looking for that easy magic bullet and you can get there if you do the work in advance, right? So what we do with our success group is we look at how much it costs you to just open your doors each day and get that down to an hourly rate. Um, that includes paying yourself and planning for the future. Right. So if you're ever going to need a new piece of equipment, you need to kind of build that into your pricing. Um, you know, you should be able to. One of the questions that got asked last night at the Start Here Academy, um, because Eve, I think it was. Yeah, it was it was asked of Eve because she was talking about when she upgraded into this next tool. I can't remember exactly what the tool was. And one of the questions was, well, how did you know when to do that? And she said, when my business paid for it. Right. I don't, didn't want to go into debt. So. If you're not planning for that kind of things in the future, your business will never be able to pay for that upgraded piece of equipment. So point being, know your numbers and then you'll be able to price your product because once you know your numbers, then you can make it that easy formulaic, you know, what's the profit margin you're looking for? We actually build it in such a way that you've got, um, we call it a guardrail. <laughs> as long as you're at, you know, as long as you quote unquote break even, you're technically making money because you're paying yourself and you're planning for the future. So um, from there, then it's just about the perceived value of, of the product, right? Like I said, me, you, and Eric could all be selling the exact same thing. And we, we could all be getting drastically different prices because of the market that we're selling to. Right. And right. I don't know how many times, if you've actually counted on, uh, maybe you've got a yellow legal pad somewhere with the tally marks of how many times people have said to you, well, I can't get that in my area. Nobody oh my will gosh. pay that price. I, I hear it all the time. In my yeah. town, in you, my can't, town right? you, can't, you can't get more than $5 for a t-shirt. And of course, yeah. you know, my response, Aaron, well, you're talking to the wrong people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> somebody in your town is paying 20 bucks for that same shirt. <laughs> exactly. But, that's, uh, and that's exactly what I say in response to that too. Uh, some Something similar to that, but, but I go, I, Here's what I say when somebody says, oh, I, I can only get that in my town. Oh, really? So nobody in your town has a pair of Nike shoes or nobody in your town has a designer handbag. Yeah. And they like look at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, Nike shoes. You can go to 
Walmart and get the Velcro, you know, shoot is the utility is, <laughs> is such that you don't have to pay what you'd pay for a pair of Nike shoes. <laughs> you don't have to pay yeah. what you'd pay for a designer handbag, but people want that stuff, right? Because it's not just about the cost. It's not just about the $5 t-shirt. It's about what it represents for them. People are exchanging value. It, they have no clue. Most of our customers have zero clue what it actually costs to make a shirt. Heck, half the decorators don't know what it costs them to actually make that shirt. <laughs> so exactly right. <laughs> so your, your price should not be based on, oh, well, you know, I got to be the cheapest in town. We're, we're in an industry with what we do, Terry, that if you're trying to be the cheapest in town, you better have the deepest pockets of, of anybody. Because think about what it is that we do. We're not selling a commodity. We're actually taking a product and we're embellishing it. We're not adding any actual utility value to it, right? By putting the OSG th thing on my shirt here, that doesn't make the shirt any different as far as, you know, it's still a long sleeve button down shirt, right? So uh, we're not changing the utility of the shirt. We're not changing the commodity value of the shirt. We're changing the perceived value of the shirt. It means more to me. It's my company logo. It, you know, it, it helps my brand get recognized, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think one of the biggest problems I see new people making with pricing is they they just don't believe in themselves enough to get what they need to get to be successful. I was just going to say that it's right, it's not it, no 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 it's just it's <laughs> not it's not people in your town uh, won't pay more than five dollars. You don't think what you're selling is worth more than five dollars. That's that's the that's the the real issue. It's all in your head. For yeah. podcast listeners, I'm pointing at my head. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Love it. All right, Terry, let, let's get to the last one here. And I, I want to kind of lead you into this one because this is this is your area to shine. And, and before, so the, the last bit here that we've got is kind of the production time, how much it actually takes you to produce a product. And before I let, let you loose on this, um, it's it's really interesting to me how, how people look at this, right? Again, we talk about where a lot of people are coming to our space from, you know, again, being kind of a hobby crafter. So when you're in that mode and you're testing and you're trying and you're trying to make something cool and nice, you know, you're making one thing and then you're doing something else. And you're coming back, you're making this thing and and you're never really in production mode, right? And so right. being a business is, is about kind of making what you do repeatable and then efficient enough that you can exchange your expertise for value, right? So um, I know you're super huge into kind of understanding this stuff and you've, you've even, you know, I always joke that you've wrote the book about it because you have. <laughs> <laughs> A real book. <laughs> An actual book that you could put your hands on. In fact, you go to Amazon, you look up Terry Combs, you'll find it. What's it called? It's Scheduling and, Scheduling estimating. and estimating Production Time. Yes, absolutely. For, for so, garments for yeah. printer. Yeah. So before I let you loose, I'm going to make one other quick comment here. Terry is going to be joining our success group in October as a guest uh, speaker, as a guest trainer. And uh, you were actually going to be talking about this very topic. So exactly right. <laughs> let's let's hear it. Let's get a preview here. Well, the, the, the point that, that I put down here was know how much actual production time you really have, and especially if you're wearing all the hats. So when I go into a big, big production shop, <clears throat> the production time there is basically all the, the time during the, during the workday where we are um, 
so those operators are can can be decorating or doing whatever like 38 and a half hours per week on a regular week yeah uh, you know taking out the break times but if but if i'm doing everything myself uh, maybe that production time is half that there's there's direct production time and there's indirect production time indirect production time you know in in my area obviously is screen printing so indirect production time is is outputting films, it's creating artwork, it's it's coding screens, it's burning screens. That's indirect. If your company's big enough, you can have somebody doing indirect production while actual direct production is being done. Yeah. But when you get started, you know, and, and you say, hey, I'm going to do this full time, you're not producing goods for 40 hours. You're doing all <laughs> those indirect things. So when yeah. you're when you're calculating your costs, you in my opinion, anyway, you have to you have to take all those costs and divide them out, out by hour, like you said. But yeah. maybe it's only twenty hours because I only have twenty hours time to produce. Uh, if if this is your side gig, you might actually only have ten hours of production time. And why do I need to know that? First of all, for my pricing. Second of all, I need to know it um, for scheduling. Yeah. And you know, it, it's people. If, if if you say to a customer, when do you need it? You're not scheduling production. You're juggling production. You're just you're just moving <laughs> balls around. Um, but but if you know what your production time available production time is and you know how long it takes you to produce a product. And I, I, and I don't mean how long you wish it took you to produce a product because we all wish, but, but if, uh, if you know actually how long it takes you, then you can actually make a real schedule and fill it in and, and, uh, and say to somebody who walks in and says, my, my next available time produce this product for you will be next Tuesday morning. And so Tuesday afternoon, you can come and get it and you can confidently know that yes, I'm going to be able to do that because I understand how much production time I have. I understand what it really takes to produce that product. And yeah. my gosh, there it is on my schedule. You know, and 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 I've had, I've been into big big production shops where they go, and earmuffs, Kim. Um, I've told this before, but uh, <laughs> but uh, an owner telling me, and this is a three and a half million dollar screen printer we pay bonuses hundreds of dollars in bonuses to our to our printers every week and we get further and further behind schedule and those bonuses are based on exceeding their production quotas well only because they were only counting the time that they were actually pulling or pushing the squeegee they weren't counting the time where they're setting up the press and tearing down the press and and so um I'm the last guy production people want to see come in the door because, man, you think I have a legal pad? I got a clipboard and a stopwatch when I come on your production floor. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's it's so, yeah, I, I could listen to you. You know, obviously, you and I have been uh, doing this for a few years, right? So, there's yeah. a good chance I've heard most of these stories. But the great part is I, I, I learn something new every time. And it, it's, it is really interesting when you think about this again from, that mindset, regardless of where you're at in your business, but new people for sure really struggle with this again, because it's a whole different mindset, right? Terry, you talk about having a clipboard and a stopwatch. I mean, uh, uh, like, oh, I'm just doing it by myself. I don't need to. Yeah, you got to worry about you that do. even more.
more than the big companies because your time is even more valuable to you because you've got much less time available to you to produce products. And so the way I always um, kind of give people an overview of the way you should look at this, the, the part of our business, right? We've got two two sections of our business. We've got the part where we work on our business, right? That's the planning, the growing, the, the business planning, but setting procedures and the proactive kind of things. And then we've got the working in our business side of things, right? That's the production. That's the dealing with customers. That's the, you know, putting out fires, the, the reactive stuff that we've got to do, right? We, and, and that part's also important. I'm not trying to belittle the working in our business side of it. That's how you make money, right? Every time the heat press opens, the shirt falls off the dryer, the, you know, you've finished the last trim on the embroidery, whatever it is for you, that's when you're making money actually. And so yeah. that part's important, but people look at those things as like the same, right? Oh, I'm going to, I've got to work on my business. So I'm t when you're doing the working in your business part, you should take your hat and if you have to physically do this to make it work for you, put a different hat on, right? Go from your chief's hat into your production hat, right? <laughs> and exactly. When, but when you put that production hat on, think about yourself like a pit crew of a, of a, a race car pit crew, right? Where so I always use this analogy because I think this is the way we should do it. They, they get everything set up in advance that they're, they're all prepared. They know where all the tools are. They've practiced They they looked at all of the processes and go, how can we get more efficient at this? And then when the time comes to do the work, right. To produce the product, they jump over the wall, they go as fast as they possibly can, but they make sure that they do it right. Right there. Cause if they screw up, if they leave a lug nut off, they could hurt their driver, right? The, the car could break. <laughs> so thinking about that in your, your production um, working, even with your customers, right? We, we want to deal with our customers, but we want to do that efficiently. You know, some people just, you know, and people would think that I'm like this, but I really don't have their emails open all day and they're just replying and, and right now you, you've got to, okay, it's time to reply to customers. So I get in there and I'm going, going to town. Yeah. I, I want to give them all of the, the feelings that I can give them, but um, it, it's all of that stuff. I think you need to look at it in that light in how can I be more efficient at this yet still do a really good job at it. So, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's hit a couple. I know we're running towards the end here, but I think we're doing pretty good. Um, let's hit a couple of our uh, regulators um, had some comments along the way about some other things we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, Yosta says, if you're fully booked, you are too cheap. Uh, that's, I think that's a really good, um, <laughs> because I th there's a good point in there too. Um, a, that's a good point. B, sometimes people like, yeah, I've talked about the folks that like just feel overwhelmed and, but yet they don't feel like they're successful. They're not making it. The easiest way to get your time back. I think, Kim, it's okay. I'm not going to retell the story, but right. That, you know, telling somebody that they, they've got to double their prices, right. It, like they're horrified. But if you really think about it, like if they go, well, what would happen if you doubled your prices? Well, I lose, lose half my customers. Okay. So <laughs> right? you're going to do half the work for the same money. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah, that. Sign me up, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a scary thing. You know, are you going to lose half? You're going to lose all. You don't know that. So I'm not saying go out and double your prices, but 
again, like Yosta said, if you're fully booked, you're probably too cheap, right? You, you should be um, kind of like working to get the stuff in. And, and I almost look at pricing sometimes as a little bit of a faucet, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, just thinking back on some of my time with some of the companies that I had pricing for, it's like, okay, well, things are a little bit slow right now. What's going on? Well, let's turn up the volume do a discount, do some a little bit heavier marketing, you know, kind of look at where we could tighten up our pricing. And then all of a sudden you get busy again. And then, okay, well, we're really busy and we're having a hard time keeping inventory or whatever, right? Okay. Prices go back up. I'm not saying that you should just always scale your prices, but if you're not regularly looking, especially in today's world with the inflation and you know challenges with getting stuff and, and so stuff's getting more expensive to get, um, most of the folks inside of our success group are are checking their pricing quarterly, if not uh, twice a year at, at least, right? So if you're only doing it once a year today, I'd quarterly go, am I still okay, right? But you got to do the work to know your numbers first, right? So <laughs> um, yeah, so that pricing is really, sorry, Terry, I'm taking over. Anything you want to share about that? No, no, no. Well, I was just going to comment that uh, you know, there's there's a, a, a manufacturer that uh, that I was speaking to th- this past year, and uh, and and he told me that he said I haven't I haven't raised my prices in seven years. He's had three price increases in the past year because yeah. of of his cost going up. He he could have he could have well. And when he said I haven't raised my prices in seven years, it made me kind of think. Well, you probably haven't been looking very closely, but <laughs> uh, but. He, he could have coasted right into bankruptcy uh, by not yeah. not reviewing uh, what his costs were. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's an, another interesting quick point that we can make, Terry, is that going out of business is actually harder than you think, right? I mean, <laughs> I've known companies that have been on the verge of going out of business and they've just held on, but they didn't make the necessary changes. And so they finally get there. So you can, like you said, coast right into going out of business and not even know it until the the boat's overflowing and you can't, <laughs> you can't dig out fast enough. Right. So, yeah. Well, and, uh, and Aaron, you remember uh, in 2008 when we had the economy downturn and, and I remember you and I talking about this and, and the companies that went out of business, all those companies that went out of business for the most part, were already hanging by a thread. They, yeah. they, they just didn't know it. They, Correct. they were, they were so volatile that when that economic downturn hit, they, they, they just had no place to turn. Uh, COVID was the same situation. There were companies that went out of business and there are other companies that, that regrouped and found a way to, uh, to maintain, uh, yeah. you, you know, in, in, an example is, is equipment zone, you know, all of a sudden there weren't any trade shows and yeah. We, you know, you and I have been road warriors at trade shows and we had no place to go and say, hey, here's our product. So what did we do? We were already set up to do webinars and things like that. Um, But we set up studios in both our locations. So we started doing two webinars a week and not, hey, buy our product, but educational webinars. And and, uh, honestly, Equipment Zone didn't skip a beat during COVID. In fact, we had some months where sales just skyrocketed and it was all based on, okay, what are we going to do now? What, how are we going to replace the way that we market our product? And everybody needs to be prepared for that kind of thing, because guess what? COVID isn't going to be the only thing that trips us up over the next 10, 20 years of your business. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and the, that's interesting that you brought up that conversation that we had back in 2008. You know, I, I remember that that was in a lot of ways, probably a bit of the seed starting to form for, uh, you know, starting our success group, because like you said, you know, those businesses that were kind of already hanging on by a string, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Finally, it is yeah. that economic downturn, but the, the other side of it, like you said, lots of people also, though, thrived even, necessi- you know, in different situations. And so it was kind of like, OK, what makes those people different? And everything that I can see and, and everybody I've talked to, it all points to the fact that those businesses that were able to survive or, or even thrive, they had a foundation, right? They had yes all these points that we're talking about, right? They they were kind of already there. They had a pricing structure. They knew their costs. They knew what they needed to do to kind of get lean when they needed to and and stuff like that. And so I think for a newbie coming in, right, they haven't taken those bumps yet. And, uh, you know, and a, a big bump comes along, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. So if we can kind of help them build a foundation where they have all that information, then you can pivot. Then you can do things. Like you said, you, you guys are already building into that thing and you were able to just kind of roll it out but that was because right you you knew you were already growing you knew where where you were heading so um, right yeah yeah good stuff there all right uh dean mentions a little bit earlier says new people also forget to add profit for the company that was when we were talking about paying yourself and stuff like that yeah so the point uh, and and to dean's point dean's part of our masters of success program at our success group so and he he came to this with a lot of it already and and so it was really cool to kind of kind of match things up with what Dean's doing too. Um, but when we talked about that guardrail a little bit earlier, Terry, where we're paying ourselves and we're planning for the future, what's well, to pay ourselves to cover our personal bills. It's not to buy the vacation home, right? The, the buy the vacation home, give back to your community, the share profit with your employees, stuff like that, that comes from the profit that you add. So like I said, if you break even, you're still going to be okay. But what you really want to do is you want to be making profit. Um, profit's not a dirty word. <laughs> exactly. I can't tell you how many new people I've talked to, and you say the word profit, they cringe a little bit. It's like why, right? That that's the lifeblood of business. That's how you can give back to your community. That's right. how you're going to be successful. And if your customers don't want you to make a profit, then you need to find new customers your customers should want you to make a profit uh, just as much as you want them to be successful with your product. And, right? and so. as you add employees and, 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 and even co- contractors you're working with um, you, your company being profitable and successful, uh, you know, you have, a, you, you suddenly have a responsibility to those people for their livelihood as well. So you, it, it's, it's not just for you. It's, it's for all those people that, that hitched their wagon to your star. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then Eric said, uh, people rarely think of opportunity costs in all of this, right? And that's what we're talking about in a lot of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that opportunity cost, um, awesome. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> all right, my I, I do like this comment from Mike. He says, you might lose half your customers, but it's most likely the ones who's pr- who, who price shop anyways, right? And so I, I kind of like that product, because uh, that comment because the other side of that too is if you lose half your customers um, in in that price increase, not only are you losing the ones who price shop anyways, but more than likely you're also losing the ones that you don't really enjoy doing business with. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly so. right. 
Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, Aaron, when I started my screen printing business uh, right out of college, I, I, my pricing was based on uh, I have a degree in journalism and I don't know where to start. And uh, <laughs> a, a year later, I had twins. So guess what? Uh, I had to get real serious about about this business that I had started and I raised my prices and I lost some customers. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but at the same time, I think I lost maybe 20 percent of my customers. Uh, but I, I, I certainly more than made up for it with the price increase and 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 had at that point point became a legitimate business. And and the sooner you do that, the better, because that day that you decide, hey, I'm going to go start doing this full time. Uh, is not the day that you want to say, oh, and I'm doubling my prices because now I have to make a living. Uh, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> S- start now, not that, not, not uh, when, yeah. you, when you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as much as we're talking about price increases, it's still never easy. Right. But it, it just, it sometimes it's got to be done. So, like you said, why do that to yourself? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Plan ahead. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. A couple more comments, Terry, and then we can get into the uh, five things here. Uh, Kristen says, uh, I learned that my existing customers roll with price changes because they know that they can trust me to do good work and deliver on time, just like on Terry's headstone. Um, <laughs> uh, I might lose out on some new customers buying on price, which at the end of the day, again, customers buying on price, rarely the type of customers that you want to work with. Right. So. Um, all right. And then Mike has got, uh, another comment. I think it's another great comment from Mike. Thank you, Mike. Um, I had a guy question my minimum $20 invoice for a single left chest name uh, drop. He said it should be $5. I said, sorry, that's the way it is. People often don't stand their ground when it comes to pricing. My price list doesn't have to be negotiable, right? Yep. That, that's a really good point, right? It, Sometimes the best thing that you can say to somebody that's uh, concerned about your pricing when they ask, well, can you do it for this? Say no. <laughs> and that's a complete sentence because here, here's what the, what's going to happen, right? They're, they may find somebody that'll do it for that, but there's a reason why they came to you to begin with. And so when they come back and the next time it's $25, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So stand yeah, your ground. The, I know it's hard. The, uh... The, the person it. who says sharpen your pencil, here's the price. Yep. <laughs> it's published. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. So, all right. Um, and so Terry, anything else that we missed there? I know we're into bonus time, but. Uh, no, I think, uh, I think we uh, touched on uh, uh, a lot of areas there and, uh, and uh, yeah, I think we're good to, good to move to five things, I believe. Yeah, let's and to do five things. This is by our own Eric Campbell. So before we bring Eric in here, but Eric, you can mosey on in whenever you're ready. But uh, l- let me speak to all you regulators here real quick. Let me let me put something out there for you. We really and I don't know who knows if five things has done what we wanted it to yet, but it will. Right? It's it's getting information out there. We need you guys to participate. Right. So if you'll go to two regular forward slash five things, that's the number five <laughs> and, and two, number two, and then the number five. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. Uh, go to that site or yeah, go, go to our site, go to that page. You can send us your five things. Kristen's done it before. I saw Kristen in here. So Kristen gets a high five. Um, anything you want to talk about, right? Anything that you, all we need are five points that you think are, are worth kind of topics to bring up in conversation and um we share it in the five things i'm still working with uh with my va to get some more stuff out there so we'll start 
adding more out there on social media so we can continue the conversation. But the whole idea of five things is just to bring in a topic that, you know, it's either fun, it's either good communicate, uh, good to talk about, or, you know, just, yeah, I think I covered it. I don't need to have three. It's fun or good to talk about, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anything just, else? It, five it's, should be it's, it's five bullet points, five, five things to, to uh, stimulate thought and conversation. So, and, and here's some perfect, uh, Eric's going to share a perfect example with us today. Totally. And so we'll, we'll get Eric in here in one second to share his five things. And uh, yeah, so just one last encouragement for everybody. It's down there at the bottom of the screen for those of you watching live. If you're listening on the podcast version, again, go to two regular guys forward slash five things. And uh, you can, if you really want to, too, you can come and join us, right? Here's another cool part about it. When we post this stuff on our webpage, um, and if you've given us your business page, your, your URL, your website, right? We actually link your business website into the five things section on our website. And therefore, you're going to get social, not social, it's search engine optimization because you've got a site and, and we get an, quite a few visitors. So you get a site that's got quite a few visitors linking back to your site. So there's also that. <laughs> so I'm trying to sell this here, Terry. It's mutually <laughs> beneficial. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. All right. I think, I think I've stalled long enough. Eric, come on in, sir, if you are ready. Right. And um, <laughs> I'm going to still make you push the buttons because my setup's not great here. But... Hey, not a problem. <laughs> I can push buttons. All right. <laughs> I'm sure you guys both know very well that I can push buttons. But... <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That, 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 I've based my career on that. Oh, it's not <laughs> physical <laughs> buttons. No. <laughs> hey, you're the talent. We just have to have you around, man. <laughs> All right. With that, let's get into five things. See, I have to push buttons for myself too, folks. <laughs> but we'll get this together. So this is my five things for today. And these are uh, five habits crucial for home-based business people. Now, there's a lot of habits that are crucial for home-based business people. It's a lot more than five things. But these are five things that I've noticed a lot of people have trouble with, especially when we talk about people in that prosumer market who are coming up kind of from the home craft market. They're coming up. They're just starting to work out of their homes. That's what I mean by home-based business people. They tend to have some of the same problems. So number one, I'm going to say this, set a public schedule. You don't want people trying to show up, especially if you're at a home-based business and you are allowing people to show up and pick up things at your home. Some people also like to have other spaces to do pickups, drop-offs, things like that, or do their own uh, deliveries, which is another great option for that. But no matter what you're doing, set a public schedule and let people know. Um, the last thing you want is the 3 a.m. t-shirt call. Trust me, I've heard the complaints. People do that. You need to make sure people know what your hours are for the public. But also set a private schedule for yourself. You are going to need time off. And this is something that I know I don't do well. I'm sure that Aaron can speak to this too because he's in the same boat. When you live close to your office, when you can walk to your office from your kitchen, uh, then Frankly, you're always on, you're always working. Make sure you set some time in the private schedule when you are not on because you need that time to recharge. Otherwise, you're cruising for burnout. Next thing though, create professional space wherever you can. Now, not everybody is going to be able to have a third bedroom or a shop or somewhere else that you can set up. If you can, it's awesome. If you can't, if you're working in mixed space, even so much as just saying before you start a shift of working to stop, set up the table or desk you're working at, get everything in order and say, all right, here, this space right now is where I'm working. 
if you can get a closed door between you and your family, yes, I know this sounds awful, but sometimes it is the only way to make sure people know I'm on right now. I'm on the clock. I am doing work. It's not time to get interrupted by 15 other things. If I were off working a nine to five, I wouldn't be here. Uh, it's okay to say that and to make that time sacred the same way I want you to make your personal time sacred. Next thing is set boundaries. And I know it seems like everything I've said up until this point is setting boundaries, absolutely, but I'm repeating it again because it's so important. Not just with your schedule, not with everything else that's going on as far as your space, everything you're doing, you need to make sure there are clear boundaries between business time, private time, also business work and private work. The other thing you're gonna find is a home-based business, people may not take you seriously about this stuff and they might try and get in on your time, get in on your work, or ask for a lot of discounts, treat you like it's still a hobby when you're working to make it a business. People who respect the business that you're doing are going to respect your pricing, are going to respect your work and are not going to infringe on that. Set your boundaries early and it leads to uh, number five, and this is the big one, own your professionalism. The instant you start doing this seriously, you take your time to make this a business, the instant you're actually charging for your work and you're doing it well, you are a professional right now. The work you're doing, if it's being paid for, is worth what it was contracted at. Uh, you need to own that professionalism. And here's the other thing, act like a business. You don't have to apologize for yourself being home-based. You don't have to apologize for yourself as a startup. Act like the business you want to be. And let me tell you this, when you're online and that's your primary vector of sales, when you're delivering yourself, uh, nobody knows where your shop is or how big it is. What they do know is whether or not, like Terry says, did you get things done on time and did you do good work? And if you do that, you're a professional. Own that professionalism, be the business you want to be. And like I said, set some boundaries, folks. And that's my five things. I love it. Look at that. Great five things. Fill around. Yeah. Sure. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the back there. Yeah. Good boy, Eric. Good. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, well, excellent. Eric, thank you so much, sir. That is fantastic. So see how easy that is, guys? Just jump on in jump there. On. Um, we won't even make you, we won't make you push the buttons. Eric will even do it for you. So <laughs> yeah, if you want me to push the buttons, you want me to read this for you? Hey, those are all options. Go to that page oh. and see multiple <laughs> options for you to get in on five things. Hey, Eric, while well, you're here, do you oh. want to talk about what you have coming up? You know what? I actually could. And what I'm going to do is go ahead and it was off script because I forgot to update my own outline for the stuff that's going on today. But I'm just going to let you guys know today we always have the take up. So 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. It is the take up today. We are talking about digitizing decisions. So the kind of decisions we make about stitch types, about shapes, about drawing. But we're doing it via something that I've drawn and made a lot with spooky season on the way and everybody already buying Halloween stuff. I thought I would share with you on an actual theme, and that is skulls. For some reason in my career, I have digitized like, I think literally like 100 skulls, maybe more. Uh, and so I thought, hey, let's take the same kind of object over and over in different positions, different colorways, different uh, styles, and show you how I made decisions about it. So if you like spooky stitches and you want to watch me talk about breaking design now, or you're somebody who likes skulls, <laughs> drawn skulls, you were the kid who drew those on your notebook, then jump in for my spooky stitches today. And I'm going to talk to you guys all about uh, making decisions with stitch type texture and stuff like that. So that's going on later. And you can find that's that. A, that's a new, a new nickname, man. Eric hey, man. Rob Zombie Campbell. Uh, that was not my very first concert ever was 18 years old. I was I went to uh, Rob Zemmian Court, my very first big arena concert. Let me say I did a bunch of little local stuff in high school, but and that's yeah, where the skulls Rob come Zombie, from. You didn't even know it. Hey, 
I may look like this now, but don't assume that I looked like this my whole life, guys. <laughs> All right. So yeah, check in for the take up tonight. Awesome. Awesome. Eric, anything else going on over there? Uh, nope. That is that is mostly it. We got the half. We got we have like the usual stuff we have today. So half is going on. So right after this, Aaron and I will get together and do the half. So that's the other thing we have going. But other than that, I am good to go. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you being here. All right. Super. <laughs> Terry, what about you? What's coming up? Well, my next complete screen printing business course in Phoenix at Workhorse Products is sold out. That's September 25th and 26th. Uh, you can sign up for the December 10th and 11th class, and we've already got folks signing up for that one. Uh, no better place to be in December than Phoenix, Arizona. So <laughs> that uh, same, exactly, that same class at Equipment Zone in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, in the New York City area is October 29th and 30th. And my screen printing class at uh, in Chicago with Atlas Screen Supply is November 5th and 6th, and there's only a few seats left for that class. Um, Equipment Zone's DTG DTF training camp in Tempe, Arizona is next week on Friday, September 23rd, and you can sign up for that at equipmentzone.com. September 30th, I'll be at Impressions Expo in Fort Worth uh, presenting how to make a living as a full-time decorator. And then two days later, on October 2nd, uh, in uh, in Fort Worth, I'm doing training and motivating the best production staff in town. Nice. And I am starting to fill my 2023 schedule, Aaron, with, uh, with my screen printing classes. Oh, so You open uh, it up? <laughs> it's actually on my website. It's not on a legal pad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but i do have uh i do I have say, my but you opened your amazon package for the big book of travel yeah there we i go. did i did there oh, it is right. 2023 hard copy all right we'll check that out <laughs> i'm gonna break in for one more thing because i forgot to do one more promo aaron was trying to lead me in and i forgot to say it I'm going to be at Impressions Expo too. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're out there seeing Terry, uh, if you're there one day early, come see my small run patches class. <laughs> That's the long small run patch class. That's so like the three hour class. And then they'll be editing for non-digitizers. So if you haven't seen me this year, your last chance is to see me and Terry. I mean, Terry's important too. <laughs> Over at Impressions Expo. So impressionsexpo.com, terrycoes.com. Come see both of us. Yeah, Aaron was doing a little nothing else. There's absolutely nothing else you want to tell us. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> just wanted to make sure, you know, just wanted to make sure. All right. Uh, real quick for me. Um, obviously, I'm here in Charlotte, so I will be here for the next two days. Come to booth 428 if you're anywhere near Charlotte. And um, it, it, just tell them Aaron sent you. They'll let you in. No, I don't know that to actually be true. Please don't do that. <laughs> Get me in trouble. <laughs> um, so, yeah, come on out and check check me out down there uh, hanging out. And uh, we'll be hanging out with the influencers and stuff like that here this afternoon. So looking forward to that. Um, getting home on Saturday, taking off for Myrtle Beach, North Carolina. No, South Carolina. Yeah, I think I've got that wrong. Wherever Myrtle Beach, yeah, thank you, Terry. <laughs> Heading to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's happening the 22nd through the 24th, the Everything Embroidery Market. If you go to EEM, show, oh, actually, everythingembroiderymarket.com is probably easiest. Here's the deal, guys. Everything Embroidery Market, it's not just embroidery. There's going to be white toner stuff there. There's going to be sublimation there. There's going to be transfer people there. Um, uh, you know, so... Corel Trainer guys are going to be there. Magic Touch is going to be there. So this is a great show happening. Um, I will be teaching three classes on the 24th, September 24th. 
Uh, first one is pricing for profit and confidence. Uh, the second one is keys to starting a successful product decorating business. And the third one is finding your customers to stand out in a crowd. And uh, actually, before we get started that day with the classes, I get to be part of a vendor panel with uh, some really cool people, um, Stephanie Young from Caesar and, and uh, the guys from SewingMachine.com and, and uh, the folks that are putting on EEM. So always great. And they've got donuts. So I, I go for the coffee and donuts too. <laughs> so check that out. Uh, again, go to Everything Embroidery Market for that. I'm hoping to see you guys there. Uh, then getting excited for Printing United. We had uh, Josh on and, uh, and and all those, and Cassie and some of the cool stuff that's happening. And, and I think uh, they were able to dispel a lot of myths about the educational side of things there uh, in, in that program. So October 19th through the 21st out in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Terry, you're going to be there, right? Oh, yes, yes. Equipment yeah. Zone has a booth. And uh, so I'll be kind of going back and forth. Yep, exactly. Um, we're still efforting on Eric, so <laughs> I won't I won't put it on him. But uh, definitely the two regular guys will be there. And then the guy who really makes the show work, we'll see. <laughs> and then uh, let's see here. Last but not least, I'll just wrap, wrap this up here, guys. Uh, October 28th and 29th, I've got Growing Your Business Effortlessly Workshop. So if you'll just go over to oursuccessgroup.com forward slash grow. You can uh, get more information on that. I'll I'll talk more about that as we get a little bit closer. So, all right, Terry, we are we gotta we gotta get to the the half here. So, um, awesome awesome show today. Thank you for uh, putting that all together and and doing such a great job. And and thanks to my internet for holding out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We also want to thank our show producer Eric Campbell for pushing all the buttons, coming on and doing five things, and coming on twice to tell us what he's got coming up. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So good. Good to see you, Eric. And um, so, Terry, you're going to be gone again next week. Um, you're a busy guy, man. The, the Terry's book of travel is uh, is full uh -huh. again. I like it. Um, <laughs> so he's going to be out at Equipment Zone teaching DTG DTF training camp um, in Tempe. Uh, so you're going into the office there for that. So uh, Eric will be back and Eric and I will be talking to Nicole Rolander about marketing through great copy. Um, so this is going to be a fantastic, if, if you don't know who Nicole is, uh, she's formerly with ASI and just a, a fantastic copywriter and, uh, and a fantastic marketer and just a fantastic person. And so we're going to get a chance to talk to her next week, Terry. So you'll have to, uh, watch the show after you get done with the DTG DTF Academy. I'm a copywriting guy, so I will definitely do that. So, but until then, Aaron, I'm Terry Combs. He's Aaron Montgomery. And we are the two regular guys. Here we go. We're out! <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.